But what I want to talk to you today is another special thing that God has uh, given us in our life that I never, ever dreamed would happen. I never dreamed would happen. I I call this story the gospel engine, and it's, I I can't read it from here, but how a country pastor and a missionary kid kid got together to to spark a revival in Thailand. It's, it's, It's an amazing story that I never, ever dreamed I would be part of. But I'm going to share this story about uh, what I'm going to call how we do this, okay? This morning at the Sunday school, I talked more of the background of how this all came about, and I'll give a little bit of that. But it's a story of God's sovereignty and God's working in people's lives, how in, in reading Scripture and doing as Scripture is told in a Thai context, okay? In other words... Um, there are a lot of people that have asked me, Dwight, can you teach this in our context? Can you come and teach this in Vietnam or Indonesia, or, uh, Myanmar and all that? And I, 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 we have to say no. Will I think it would work? Maybe, maybe not. But I know it works in a Thai context, and I know God called us to Thailand. He didn't call us to Vietnam or any other country. And so, and I, I tell him, I said, if, if I start treat, teaching this stuff in your country, I don't know if it's going to work. But the problem is, is I'm so focused on Thailand, I don't want to take the time off to do that. And secondly, the thing that's so important is about making disciples. I can do it in a Thai context because I speak Thai. And they can do it in a Thai context. But I don't know your context. I don't know Vietnamese. I don't know, you know, Indonesian. So it's, I don't know if it's transferable. So what I'm going to try to say to you, there are principles here in this, what I call this gospel engine, this method of discipleship, that you could probably take away, but I don't know your context. You know, and just as an aside, one of the, way, one of the things we do is we walk around and go, and I'll share this later, but every, every road on every street and every village looking for a person of peace. So I tried it in my daughter's neighborhood last night or the night before. I said, I'm going to walk around this neighborhood and just see if I can find people. I walked around that whole neighborhood. It was two nights ago. It was a cool night. I didn't see one person. I'm like, what do Americans do? <laughs> there are all these houses I walk by, and I literally did not see one person. In a Thai context, I'm walking down the streets. Um, they're everywhere, okay, because we don't have air conditioning. We don't have maybe the TV or the internet, so they're outside, so they're easy to meet. But here, I'm like, man, there's nobody around. I'm like, did the rapture happen or something? Because I can't find anybody. Anyways, you'll kind of grasp what I mean by that when I get into the presentation. So go ahead and go ahead to the next slide. So one of the things I want you to understand about Thailand, first of all, you hear it as a Buddhist country, right? You hear it as a Buddhist country. And, and quite frankly, Buddha did not want to have images of himself but more than a Buddhist country, it's what I call an animist country. It believes in lots of gods, and Buddha just happens to be one of their major ones. Okay, But Buddhism itself does not, it believes in reincarnation. There's not a, um, you know, at the end you're just going to, you want to get to a place of non-existence, what they call Nippon. And that's what you want to get to in, in Buddhist thought. But it, while you live this your life, all you're trying to do is make merit and do good and have your... your uh, your merit balance out your karma, your bad things. That's what they do in life, and that's all their. That's what. That's their purpose. But you believe and worship all sorts of gods. So this is just one of many gods. Um, I, I, and you can see some of the, the, the like the giants next to them. Again, those are other gods that they believe. And next slide, please. You'll see this one here. This one actually just came out in the news the other day. It's another god that's uh, come out in Bangkok, and uh, 
the problem with this God that they have this statue is people are starting to do animal sacrifices in front of it. They're killing their dogs and animals, and, and so they're trying to stop that. With Buddhists, they don't have that. But my only point about this is the Thai, Thai mentality, it's not like us. They don't believe in a creator God. They don't believe sin is an issue in their lives. Okay, Sin is an issue in their personal thing that's against their karma, and it puts them in the pit of karma. Okay, Karma is like a pit they're born in, and they want to get out of it, but they know there is no way out of it. And uh, and so they're looking for a way out. And so they, at the meantime, they're worshiping in God, God's idols all over the place because they don't know what truly to believe. And uh, they've never heard of Jesus. That's the really sad part, but that's changing. So I just want to give you that as a background where Thai worldview is at. Um, now, there are for the Thai church where I collect all the data on the Thai church. I mean, that's been my role since I've come back to Thailand. And I've seen this number grow since I've been there from point. Four nine to 0.75, but you're going to start seeing that number change much faster. Um, what you can see up there, if you see the top part, I'm sorry, I'm pointing at my slide back here. If you see the top, that's very green up in the kind of the left top corner. That's what I call the Christian hat of Thailand. Here we have the Christian belt they talk about. But up there is 50% of the Christians and 5% of the population. So most of the Christians in Thailand are up in the north. Uh, the north. But th- praise the Lord, this is all happening in central Thailand. Um, oh, wrong side, wrong way. So one of the things as the research coordinator of the Thai church that um, I did was I, in, in the year 2016, um, the Lord showed me a verse. And it's a verse, a very obscure verse that most people don't read. I mean, they just read by, they go by it. But it became very, very clear to me when Jesus says in Mark 138, and you, you probably don't even heard it yourself, But Jesus says, let's go to the next village and preach the gospel there. Let's go to the next village and preach the gospel there. And Jesus says, for that is the reason why I've come. It's like, wow, Jesus has come for the village, villages. And when I look at countries around the world, we we don't focus on the villages. Quite frankly, we focus on what we call unreached people groups, which aren't just, you know, we reach these pockets, but we're missing the people. And so when I looked at that, I go, wow, 95% of the villages at that time had never heard of Jesus. The gospel hadn't been there. I mean, the, Christian, the Christians, Christians came into Thailand in 16, excuse me, 1828, almost 200 years ago. And we have only reached 5% of the villages. And it just, I started to weep. I knew my family had been in Thailand at that time, about 70, 72 years. And I'm like, what are we even doing? What's going on? Why are we? And that's why up, up in the top where I showed you that picture, we have 5% of the population and 50% of the Christians because that's where every, everything's going on. You know, it's happening here, there, and everywhere, but we were just missing the people. We were, and I was like, what can we do about that? What, what are we going to do about that? And that's the part that just broke my heart, and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, but, uh, but the Lord kind of opened the way because I came across a group an indigenous group that in 2016 had been around now in 2016 for about 30 years, maybe if I count right. And they were planting churches. They were just planting churches as they could, like the, the what I would call the more traditional way. And they had started eight churches over that period of time. And those are the churches there, the the red red dots. And these are churches with buildings, if you will, Okay, what I would call it, uh, I, I, more of a traditional church with a building. But in 2016, um, several things happened. One was the pastor 
got a vision by the year 2020 to plant a thousand churches, 10,000 believers, and he would have a partner to do it with. But he didn't know how that's all going to come about. But that was the vision he had. Well, praise the Lord, as time has gone on, we have now at the end of 2023, we have well over 3,000 what we'd call house churches and 18 district churches. Our goal for this year actually is to plant 2,000 more house churches and 24 more district churches. I know that sounds huge numbers, and I'm even amazed myself how God is working this all out. But we have hundreds of church planters that go and have a passion to go and share Jesus. Um, The part that I come involved here is just giving them gas money. They need gas money to go. They give of their time. But so that's, that's the picture of 2023. And you see this gospel starting this core, and it's just spreading it's just spreading out like this. Um, I want to tell you about the province of Pichit. Okay, that's that's one of the provinces that are in that glob there. Okay, that purple glob. But I, this, I pulled out this province, um, Pichit, specifically because what had happened was in 2020 when we reached our goal of a thousand churches and ten thousand believers, we were saying, well, "What are we going to do in 2021?" And there was a vision to say. Well, all our senior pastors got together together and they said, okay, we want to plant 800 more churches in 2021. I said, where are we going to plant them? And they said, well, we don't know. I said, let's do, then I said, I looked at the data and the maps I had and I said, let's do something that's never been done before in Thailand. Let's reach the whole province of Pichit because it has 880 villages that have never heard of Jesus. And let's go and reach every village in that, in that province. Now understand this, province was the 70th least reached province in all of Thailand out of 77 provinces. 70th least reached. It was 0.009% Christian, about 240 Christians. And if you remember what's true about the year 2021 was COVID. Okay, now how are we going to do this with COVID? Oh my goodness, I'll tell you, COVID was such a blessing for us. I know that sounds strange to say that because you know what COVID did for us? It gave us a method that was a very biblical method. Before we'd go into a village and we'd meet with the head of the village and say, hey, we want to have an evangelism service here, share with Jesus, and then somehow start house churches. When we COVID hit, the head of the village would say, no, of course you can't come into our village. We don't know you. So we couldn't do it. Well, we prayed about it, and the Holy Spirit said, "What? go give them masks and gel. Go into the villages and go down every street and road offering masks and gel to the people, and then share Jesus at the same time. Oh my goodness, we were able to reach all of Pichit province by going and offering masks and gels to all the people that we found on the side of the road, people of peace, I call them, and we were able to do it. And so we reached Pichit province where, praise the Lord, it went from the 70th least reached province to now the fourth most reached province. It went from like 240 Christians to well over 12,000 now. And that's all happened during the COVID time period, just because we have passionate church planners. And you know what? Not one person got COVID during that time. They got it afterwards. <laughs> but that's what God's doing. And so that's cast a vision with us where we want to, uh, um, well, I'll show that in just a little bit, um, where we want to plant a church in every village in Thailand. But when you do things like that, after that Pichit province, then we have baptism services like this. So go ahead and show that video. Um, we, this is one baptism service we had back in 2021. We actually have another one, 2,000 people next month in 3,000 November.
So that's what it looks like from the drone view. The next video then will show what it looks like in the water. To be baptized in Thailand is a pretty, it's a very serious thing because they are, they are, they, they say, I am, I am repenting. Basically, I'm, I'm turning from my old way of life. And from now on, I'm going to follow after Jesus. And so it's not an easy thing to say, you know, a thing to do as they do that. But that, that is what everyone, everyone does. Um, they are coming to the water and saying, I, I. Okay. Um, let me go back. So I just want to give you an example of just one person that has come to know Jesus and just kind of share with you what, what it is that, you know, okay, this is the right one, right? I'm at the right place now. Okay, sorry, that, that, I thought that was a little out of place. Um, so our vision, and we call ourselves the Association of Free, Free, uh, the Association of Free Churches in Thailand, or the AFT, our vision is to form a house church in every village a district church in every district in all provinces of Thailand. So in Thailand, we have 80,000 villages that haven't heard the gospel. So our goal is to go to every 80,000 of them. And uh, that's what Lord willing. And we'll see how the Lord provides and how long I can stay in the game. But I hope I can stay in the game until that time. I'm 66 now. so. Um, and there's like 7,000 some districts in Thailand. So we, that's our vision. And I want to show you how we do this. Okay, this is what's going to, how we make disciples. So our goal is to go to every village. But this little graph here, I call it the data-driven discipleship, is the Great Commission is right embedded in that, if you see that. Um, so many times I see the Great Commission as we think we got to just make people believe in Jesus, but we forget the dis- let's make discipleship parts. So if you look at that, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about each one of these circles, but we have form teams. But then we go, make disciples, if you look at the, the yellow, baptize and then teach. That's all within the Great Commission, and that's how we, we, we go about doing this. Um, we, are, we go, and uh, first thing we do is if we're going to decide on an area, we'll look at the data we have and say, say we're going to reach this one area here that's got 86 unreached villages. It's in the province of uh, Pitsanalo. So how are we going to reach 86 villages? You know, it's like, oh man, that's overwhelming to a lot of people, but... To us, it's not overwhelming because we've got, we've got experiences in doing this. And so we form teams. Our church planners, who are volunteers, will get together and they'll pray about it. And they'll say, okay, we know each team can reach 20 villages. And so we divide 86 by 20. So we need four to five teams. And our teams are about four persons per team. So we need 20 people to reach this district. Now, when you think of Jesus, he, he took out his disciples, and he had them go two by two. If you look at what he did, he, did, he had his disciples who go by two by two to every, every village. If you look at what he was telling his disciples to do, and we're doing the same thing, but we actually bring two extras because we want to continue discipling new people. All right, so we have two primary people and two more people that are, are, are in training, right? And so we make a team of, and they will go the first week, they'll go to their 20 assigned villages. They will go. And that's where this next one is. So we've uh, we've found our area, we've designated our team, and now we go. And we go to the assigned village. And so it's pretty easy these days, right? You can open up a map, or actually I've got the data here. You open up the map, and this is my area. So generally it's going to be like a, uh, 
like an area where 20 villages are close by, each within 10 to 20 kilometers apart. So to go to those 20 villages is not distance-wise. They may have to travel 100 kilometers to get to that area, but then they can reach 10 villages in a day. I mean, they can go. They don't spend hours and hours in every village. They maybe spend 10, 15 minutes and then go on to the next one. And they'll do it from, let's say, 8 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night doing this. But they go and to their assigned villages. And what's really interesting about this, we go and... Uh, we pray that Jesus will reveal the person of peace. I, I, I put it this way. We don't just pray, go and prayer walk. We prayer walk and find the person of peace at the same time. It's much more effective that way. Because they're everywhere in Thailand. We go down every street, every road, every place finding that person of peace. And in fact, I'm going to back up to this uh, picture here if I can. Um, what you see, why those in that province there, you see these lines... Those lines are the roads and the streets. We've walked down those roads and those streets. We go down some really, if you want to use English or American English, we go down some really deep back alleys. Um, who in the world would go down there? But we do. Because if we don't go down there, they're not going to come to us. Not, and I've gone to some places down really small roads down at the end of the road, and there's people that said, I'm so glad you came and told us about Jesus. If you hadn't come, how would I ever heard about this? And so that's what we do. We go down every place looking for that person of peace. And when we go there, um, we, uh, we're looking for that person and we share Jesus with them. And we share Jesus with them. And we collect data on that person. But here's an important part of what we do is we don't bring religion to them. Okay? They have a religion of their own. What, what I mean by that is we bring the story of why we believe in Jesus. You go meet that person and say, here's why I believe in Jesus. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And he can do the same thing for you. And by the way, he is the God that can take you out of your, your karma, your karma, and he can free you from all that. Would you like to believe this person, believe this Jesus? And um, so we tell stories. Basically, if we use it in our language, we tell testimonies while we're believing in Jesus. The traditional way sometimes we have methods and techniques that will bring in uh, you know, whether, you know, four laws or something would never work in this scenario because you're bringing a religious document to them. But here, if you bring your story, it's much more effective because you can't deny your story. All right. And uh, we don't bring creation story right away because they don't believe in a creator God. That would just confuse them. Once they believe in Jesus, it's opened the door where they, you can tell them about that. But another thing that's really important is we know their persona. When we go, we know that the average person we go to meet in a village is a 60-year-old woman. That's the average person. If I would say, here's the persona, we know they're fourth grade educated. So what does that mean? Well, we got to speak to them in a language that they can understand. Okay, we can't use high words. We can't use religious words. And by the way, we got to use materials that have big letters because... They don't have glasses and they want to, they can read, but so you have to have materials and documents that have big letters. And that's, that's a very important part of this whole thing is, is just knowing how to effectively reach them. And I will tell you the thing that's most important is we teach them to pray. So once we introduce them to Jesus, said, this is why I believe in Jesus. This is what he's done for me and he can do it for you. Then we say, look, I know you're struggling in life. You have issues. What we use as the bridge between what I call the evangelism event to discipleship. And this is a part that a lot of people miss, is we teach them to pray. We say, here's this little prayer booklet, and we want you to pray to Jesus. 
And here's a prayer in the morning. Here's a prayer at night. Here's a prayer before meals. Here's a prayer if you're struggling with problems in life. Just simple. If I read them to you, they're just simple children's prayers is all they are. But this is the most powerful thing I've seen is what happens is when they go and they heard about this God, Jesus, and they start praying. God does things in their hearts. And then when we come back the next week, their hearts open. And it's like, so what, what did you learn? Did, did Jesus do anything for you? And that's when we start hearing things. Okay, most of it is, you know, I got, a, I got a piece I've never had before. But this, if I just shared the evangelist, if I just shared Jesus with them, and I didn't have that bridge for coming back to them, it'd be really, really difficult. But prayer opens the door. It's the bridge. And it opens the door for us to go back and disciple them. Disciple so this is a really, really key piece. This, this little prayer booklet. Because God does work in people's lives, even though they don't know the full gospel story yet. They just heard about Jesus, and he's helped this person. I know he's, I've heard that he's the God that gets me out of my karmic situation, but that's all they know. You know, because they're babies, right? Babies don't know much. But then we come back and disciple them. And then we collect data on them. And that's why we have all those dots. I've developed an app here called CapTrack that you can capture all this detailed data about who that believer is. And uh, so we can go down even to the village level. So here's an, uh, we can actually see where they live. So here's an example, by the way, of a man that came to know Jesus where we went down every street, every road, and we man, met this man. So go ahead and play the video if you wouldn't mind. สวัสดีครับผมชื่อพิจินันอายุ58ปีเชื่อพระเยซูมาแล้ว4ปีครับก่อนที่จะมาเชื่อพระเยซูผมมีปัญหาเรื่องผมเป็นโรคหัวใจรักษาอยู่ประมาณ2ปีไม่หายก็มีโรคแค่ซ้อนขึ้นมาอีกโรคนึงคือโรคปาประสาทอักเสบทำให้ผมมันศีรษะปากเบี้ยวพูดไม่ชัดเวลาจะดื่มน้ําก็ต้องใช้หลอดดูดไปหาหมอฉีดยาเข็มหน้าพันผมก็ไปฉีดทุกเดือนจนไม่มีเงินที่จะรักษาผมก็เลยมานอนรอความตายถ้าจะตายก็มาตายที่บ้านเป็นวันหนึ่งมีคนเข้ามาหาเขาเป็นคริสเตียนเขามาเล่าเรื่องพระเยซูให้ฟังแล้วเขาก็บอกว่าพระเยซูที่ได้นะแล้วผมก็เปิดใจตอนรับพระเยซูในวันนั้นหลังจากนั้นผมก็ฉันทุกทุกวันตอนนี้ร่างกายของผมดีขึ้นโรคหัวใจโรคปลายประสาทอักเสบของผมหายแล้วครับทุกวันนี้ผมมีความสุขมากแล้วผมไปโบสถ์ทุกอาทิตย์ผมก็ออกไปประกาศตามสินชนและทำที่จักบ้านผมก็เป็นเรียกรอบรวมการประกาศทั่วประเทศเข้าคุณพระเยซูที่ให้ชีวิตใหม่กับผมขอพระเยซูอวยพรครับ So I've watched that man from the day I went. I mean, I, I wasn't the person that went to his village, but there, I remember meeting him when he just came to know Jesus. And you can kind of see the environment there, right? He's he's laying there, with no air conditioning. He's just there, so he's an easy person to share Jesus with because he's he, you know. But when you tell him something, he's in a situation. You tell about Jesus, I'm listening. And now he's one of our our uh, disciple makers. I mean, God has healed him miraculously, and he uh, he's one of our he teaches, you know. Actually, he's one of the leaders of our district church now, of a district church. So here's just so you see the full picture. Um, all those different colors, all those dots are GPS coordinates where somebody has come to know Jesus. That's the GPS coordinates. The different colors are the different districts, and this map updates daily. I mean, if I opened up the computer today, I can show you the new numbers today, and in fact, I can even zoom in on. I can. Go to, if I want to disciple the person, I can go right to their house, and I can actually see their house and write on Google Maps and do all that. So that's the level of detail, and we keep that level of detail so that we can go back. When you have thousands and thousands of new believers, um, you have to be able to go back and disciple them. I was sharing this morning on the day of my 
my parents' generation, my dad would go out to villages on his boat or in his Jeep. He'd go out, drive nine hours, maybe share Jesus with somebody. But he had no way of discipling him. How in the world would he go back again unless he scheduled a time and you know traveled down that road? No cell phones, no nothing. Today, look at the technology we have that allows us to do it. So it's a, it's a huge benefit to be able to do that. But so what do we do then? We make disciples. Okay, now we're back. So the very first thing we say is, hey, have you had your answers to prayer? Has Jesus changed you anything? And you know what? So many people, God is so faithful. He does it. He changes them. And now we're there and say, well, who is this God, Jesus? And this is now where we bring in what we call the plan of Jesus Jesus' plan for you. And this is where we start talking about, well, Jesus is the creator of the world. You know, this is the whole creation story. And he came, on, he came to this world, and he died on the cross, and he rose again. So now, the very next week, we're telling him the gospel story. If we led with this, it wouldn't work. We've tried leading with this. On the most part, it doesn't work because we're bringing a religion. But when we bring a relationship, then they're open for this. And now we start telling them this. And so we start teaching them how to pray, and then we track their discipleship progress. Process, But here is our what I'd call our levels of discipleship. So the very first thing is prayer, which we call be in relationship with God. Be in relationship with him. And it's always prayer is always the foundation, the fundamental thing. Then we get into the gospel story. This is the foundation. This is the foundation of what we believe, the core. But then after that, after about we, we're into this, prayer is always the whole time. But this takes about this little booklet. We take about four weeks. Then we say, well, here's, here's the Bible. And now we get them into the book of John. And this gives them confidence. Getting into God's word like this gives them confidence. Starting to memorize God's word. Starting to understand what God is saying out of the book of John first. And then from there, another few weeks, we then get into what we call the abundant life. And here's where we start getting into um, what we'd call basic doctrine theology. So at the end of this whole time, they have a very... They, from a brand new person, never heard of Jesus, by the end of six months, they have a very strong understanding of what it means to be a believer in Jesus. And then we continue to grow from there. So that's kind of what how the discipleship piece fits into all that. And then we gather these new believers in, in, into house churches and uh, form a house church. So these new believers, we form a house church. And so I'm going to, I think that's the next video here. Yeah, go ahead and show this video. It's just an example of someone that we can, another example of someone we show, share Jesus with. It's the one that was black. สวัสดีค่ะชื่อกิติยายุมนภาคนะคะชื่อเล่นชื่อน้องยาค่ะอยู่หมู่บ้านเขาน้ำตวมค่ะตำบลวังบ่ออำเภอหนองบัวจังหวัดนครสวรรค์ค่ะปัจจุบันตอนนี้ยาอายุ27ปีนะคะก่อนที่ยาจะมารู้จักกับพระเยซูคิดนะคะยาป่วยค่ะยาเป็นโรคซึมเศร้าค่ะยาไม่สามารถช่วยเหลือตัวเองได้ค่ะยารู้สึกสิ้นหวังค่ะยารู้สึกอยากฆ่าตัวตายรู้สึกตื่นขึ้นมาแล้วเมื่อไหร่จะตายตายไปซะจะได้จบเพราะยาไม่สามารถช่วยเหลือความคิดตัวเองได้ที่มันอยู่ในหัวยาค่ะคิดวกไปวนมาและไม่และกินยาตลอดเลยค่ะก่อนหน้านั้นมีพี่น้องที่คิดเตียนนะคะเขาได้มาหายาที่บ้านค่ะแล้วเขาบอกกับยาว่าน้องยามีปัญหาชีวิตพระเยซูคิดช่วยได้ค่ะยาก็เลยตัดสินใจต้อนรับพระเยซูคิดในวันนั้นเลยค่ะอัศจรรย์เกิดกับยาเลยนะคะ
พระเยซูช่วยรักษายาค่ะหายป่วยเลยค่ะตอนนี้ยาไม่ต้องไปรับยากินเลยพระเยซูทําการอัศจรรย์กับยาค่ะรักษายาหายป่วยเป็นโรคซึมเศร้าหายเป็นปกติตอนนี้ชีวิตยังมีความสุขมากค่ะสดใสล่าเริงกล้าที่จะ,ะเผชิญกับทุกๆคนชีวิตยามีความสุขมากค่ะณนะตอนนี้ขอพระเยซูอวยพรค่ะ So another example of someone who Jesus has healed and uh, has uh, made made new. Um, so from all that, then we once we've got on these new believers, we uh, establish. Let's see, that, yeah, establish a district church. So now we've got uh, all these villages have Christians now. You know, some of the traditional ways back was okay. You build a building and you hope people would come, but if you have no Christians, they don't come. But now we've got Christians in every village, and we encourage the leaders of the church to come to Sunday morning church. The house churches can meet whenever. Okay, the house churches can meet whenever it's convenient for them. But the district churches will be more like a you know, if you go to a district church, be a little bit more casual and a little more enthusiastic, maybe. But uh, you'll you'll recognize the service if you went to one. But when we open them up, it's full right away. I mean, who answers that? You build a building and it's full right away because we have Christians everywhere. And uh, so they come immediately, and so we establish this district church, which in turn, then that district church goes back; those leaders go back and uh, teach the house churches. Okay, so now the house churches were able to start the district church. Now the district churches go back and continue to disciple the house churches, and the house churches continue to grow. And that's how those provinces keep on having more and more and more Christians because they keep on going back to the villages and growing the house churches, and then. So we've gone. We've made disciples. Now we baptize, and that's where you get scenes like this, like I showed you. Disciple them to understand what baptism means, and then they, and then we enter the baptism date into the database. But the thing that I want to people to understand is, again, I want to reiterate: being baptized in a Thai context is a is is an important thing, because they, actually they call it in their language, "I took a bath." <laughs> I took a bath. Okay, I took a bath because now I'm part of Jesus. I took a bath because they don't know what the word baptism means. I mean, that's a a word that is a, a, a Bible word, and they're fourth grade educated. But anyway, but they 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 say when they understand when they do this is that they're saying I am giving up my old way of life, all the gods and all the things I, I used to do. I'm now coming. I'm I'm putting them on the cross with Jesus. I'm bearing them and I'm rising again to a new life. And now I'm a new life in Jesus. And that's what all these people are saying when they're baptized. They say, "I do not want my old life. I've repented of that, and now I'm following Jesus." And that's what we have thousands of people doing. They're baptizing. And now, what's important, of course, in all this, is to teach. Okay, Jesus, to teach everything, obey everything I've told you. So now we go and we continue to teach, not just. So the house district churches go back and teaches the house churches, but then we're always teaching the district church leaders. And but more than just that, we expect every person who becomes a believer in Jesus Christ to be a church planner, because they understand the techniques, they understand the way, and so it's very very simple for them to go and do it themselves. Okay, so uh, we teach them. We take them by the hand. This is why we talk about we have two people that come with us. We take them by the hand and you show them how to do it. I'll be honest myself. Unless they took me by the hand, I couldn't do it. They literally took me by the hand and they said, "Okay, you go out there and share the gospel." And I did, and I failed. And they told me how I failed. Oh, you said this wrong. You did that wrong. Okay, do it again. And you, when you teach, when you do it that way, 
guess what? You get confidence. Otherwise, I was using, as they shared in this morning, I was using all sorts of Christian religious language that they had no idea about. No wonder I couldn't communicate. It's like I'd be speaking Thai to all of you. It's like you would never understand me. Well, Christianese is the same way. If we speak a, a language that they don't understand, vocabulary, they don't understand. But once they tell you, oh, by the way, don't, don't use that word. Don't use this word. I mean, the one word, as I shared this morning, was the word testimony. I'm here to share my testimony. And they're like, well, what's a testimony? I mean, that's, that's something we understand. But to their context, it's like, well, that's a court word. Why, why do you have to? Did I do something wrong? Am I in court? Okay, but we don't even know. We just use testimony. I'm here to share my testimony with you. Well, they're not Christians, you know. And so we, we got to be really, really careful. And so that's how we disciple people to make sure their language is one that they'll understand. And then we've got to be, uh, we got to have them partner with them, be uh, practice with them in persistence. And then we'll start it all over to start another whole district. So I want to talk about the five P's of making disciples. Um, and then I'll, I'm close to being done here. The five P's is passion. The number one thing that we have to find from our church planners, are they passionate? I will tell a Thai person, if you see, know, realize that every minute of every day, a person in Thailand dies without ever hearing of Jesus, how does that make you feel? If there's a Thai person that dies every minute of every day and never hearing of Jesus, how does that make you feel? If you feel like, okay, well, that's the way the day is, I don't, you know, then you don't have a passion. You, if you do go church, try to do church planning, you'll just do it out of a sense of obligation. You will not have a passion, but you go, if I got to get to that person before they die, you have a passion. So then you'll be a much better church planner. The second thing is you've got to know who you're talking to. So many times what I used to do is I didn't know their persona. I was bringing my Western materials to them and I didn't understand them. I did not know how to communicate with them because I was using Christian language and I was using things that were what I would call my Western way of doing things. But once I understood their persona, how they thought of things, it changed. It changed. And then practice. They allowed me to practice and fail. And I had a partner that came along with me and they were persistent with me. They didn't, if I failed, no big deal. They kept, I kept on doing it again. And that's the key of church planting. You gotta have, in my mind, you have to have those five Ps to be an effective disciple maker. And that's how we do it. And so then once we do that, we then go to the next district. Now, I, I can't read these all that many, but why this works, by the way, is we have passionate church planters that go, they give of their time, they're willing to do it, they don't insist that you have to go to a church, because if you insist that they go to a church, they're, they're like, oh, their family will oppose them. But if you go to a house church, their family won't oppose them. But we just keep on going and keep on going, and it, 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 it just works. I mean, I wish I could read each one of those, but it's too much time and too detailed. So here's the goals. Here's what we've done so far. Um, I... My, I should put my glasses on. Um, since the last six years, that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, what do we have had? 2,000, well, you can read it. <laughs> we, we've had close to 3,000 churches planted here in the, since uh, 2017. But our goal for this next two years is 2,222 more and another 24 district churches. And we just want to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going as the Lord provides church planners and the Lord provides funding. Um, so this, this year, our goal, praise the Lord, we have one donor that has given us funds to reach all the remaining villages in this province. So by the end of this year, this will be just like Peachit province. It'll have churches in every village, and each one of those districts will have a district church. 
We are also working on the Kansoan province. The ones that are kind of orange and yellow, we have sponsors for them that will help us reach those areas. The ones that are in white, we still don't have sponsors to go there, so we don't have what I would call gas money to go into there. Our church planners don't have the gas money to go there. Uh, Konkan province is one that we're trying to reach this year and next year. That's a big province. Uh, but we are actually going to have a baptism service. You can see four areas, three areas there of 3,000 people in this area in November because there's so many people coming to the Lord. And this is for next year. Chayapum province is a, you know, what is it, what is the percent Christian right now? 0.18 or whatever? No, 0.15, 0.15. And 98% of the villages have never heard of Jesus. So that's on, on our goal for next year. And same with Pitsanlok province is where we're hoping to go and just keep spreading and keep spreading. Now, I don't know if this is going to work or not, but this actually kind of shows a graph of the spread of the gospel, of how we're hoping to spread the gospel from the central point of that yellow point there, and it'll just, just spread centrally and go out, Lord willing, if this is how it'll work. Um, so that's, that's how the Lord has been blessing Thailand. You've seen some stories. You've seen uh, methodology. I would like to say this methodology would work other places, but I, I'm only trying it in Thailand, like I said. I'm only going to Thailand, but I would love to see some of you maybe try it, but I, I don't know how you tackle the United States, to be honest. I mean, I, I know where my daughter lives. There's lots of people of lots of ethnic group there. You know, and I, I just tried, I'm going to walk around, just see if I can find anybody. And I'm like, this would be really a hard country to do this with. <laughs> I think everybody's in their home. And I don't want to do, like, knocking on doors. I don't know, maybe that's not, I should be doing that. But that's been done many times already. I, would, I was just hoping to find people outside, and I couldn't find them. But, so, uh, I, you know, I know it's not appropriate for church time, but I'll be in the back if you want to ask me some questions about what we do and how this is happening. But, guys, it's happening in Thailand, and I am so privileged that God has allowed this shy missionary kid that used to come to this church um, allowed me to be involved with this um, I, I just had no idea, had absolutely no idea. And I'll just encourage you, young people especially, we don't know what God has for us. You don't know. I, mean, I was like you. And uh, God, God has plans for each one of us. And what those plans are, I cannot predict. You cannot predict at this age. Um, some of us are on the other side. And uh, we've seen how God has worked in our lives. But there is, God's a big God. He's a great God. And I just encourage all of you to seek after him and and follow him, and uh, he will he'll take care of you, even if you have struggles. Um, at, in the end, we know we're going to be in heaven anyway, so uh, we're going to be with him. So it's all it's all win win, right? We just have some struggles to go through. But so thank you, uh, Pastor, and thank you for allowing me to share what God is doing in Thailand. And I hope it encourages you. God bless. <laughs>